Hello, friends. Welcome to another episode of Theology in the Raw. Today on the show, I have a couple jackasses on the show to interview. And yes, so it's going to be one of those episodes. And if you have kids listening, I should have told you this ahead of time before I said the word jackass, but the word jackass actually appears quite a bit in this upcoming show because the two pastors, (laughs) the two evangelical conservative pastors I have on the show started a blog a few weeks ago called Jackass Theology, where they are addressing what they see as a concern in evangelicalism with people being, well, jackasses. And uh, we talk about the role of using questionable language (laughs) in Christian dialogue. So if you're already writing that angry email to me or to them, um, then at least listen to the first, I don't know, 15 minutes of the episode. You can see, no, actually listen to the first 30 minutes of the episode and you can see uh, why they uh, named their blog as Jackass Theology. So, Uh, I hope you enjoy the show. I think you will. These are two wonderful, godly guys, um, uh, Ryan and uh, Mark. They are both pastors at a church in in, uh, Sacramento, California. Uh, Mark Buvine, one of the pastors who's on the show, uh, we've been good friends for, gosh, over a decade at least. Yeah, I think it's been over a decade. And uh, we taught at Eternity Bible College together. Uh, Mark Buvine has been a co-writer with Francis Chan on several of his books, Uh, Multiply was written by, no, I mean, sorry, co-written by, it was actually co-written by, co-written by Mark Buvine. Uh, Mark Buvine has, he actually informally edited, like just out of his own goodwill, several of my books, including Fight, Karis. He was uh, deeply involved with Erasing Hell and uh, my other book that nobody's read, uh, Paul and Judaism Revisited, it's an, it's an academic book. He read through that whole thing, and he is just a fantastic writer, great thinker, wonderful guy. Um, I just got to know Ryan on this, um, Ryan McDermott on, the, on, the, uh, on this podcast here. I've known about him just through Mark from, for a while now. But anyway, I think you're going to love this episode. We're talking about all kinds of stuff related to being a jackass and not being a jackass. Anyway, uh, if you want to support the show, you can go to patreon.com forward slash theology and raw that's patreon.com forward slash theology and raw if theology in the raw has ministered to you has helped you has challenged you has made you just angry and you're like oh i want to give this guy some support because he made me so angry and it made me love jesus more than so be it you can go to patreon.com forward slash theology and raw support the show for as little as five bucks a month and for as much as $10 million a month, if that's your thing, you could do that too. And in return, you get uh, premium content, access to premium content like Patreon-only podcasts every month and Patreon-only blogs every month and Patreon-only conversations that I have with my supporters every month. So that's patreon.com forward slash The Elgin Raw. If you don't want to support the show, that's cool too. It's a free podcast and that's just how podcasts go. We have tons of free content too. So if you can't afford five bucks a month, then keep listening for free. Without further ado, let's get to know these two pastoral jackasses, uh, Ryan and Mark. Hello, friends. Welcome back to another episode of Theology in the Raw. I have on the show today my good friend Mark Giving and his and his pastor <laughs> Ryan. I'm chuckling because uh, Ryan, from what I know, uh, is not like your typical pastor, if I can say it like that. Because both both Ryan and, and Mark started a what am I going to call it? A movement, a ministry called Jackass Theology. <laughs> and so, hey, welcome to, welcome to the show, guys. <laughs> uh, Preston, are you allowed to cuss on your show? That yeah. sounded a little uh, offensive right a, off the start I'm there. A, thank you for asking that question. I actually am allowed to do whatever I want. I actually choose, I do, but I choose not to cuss. And because we're actually talking about donkeys and not... Right, exactly. Then we're totally fine. Um, and, and I, you know, I, I do kind of like, you know, if, if cuss words are like, you know, 
kind of like the baseball analogy of sacks, like first base, second base, third base. You know, I think jackass <laughs> might be like, you know, like a like a long single, maybe a you know uh, a double, maybe, but it's not a triple or a home run. So I don't hit triples or home runs in terms of yeah. swearing on my show. Yeah. But I'll I'll get to second base. Yeah. That's that's about as far as I'll go. I just you know I I know a lot of parents that listen to this, and sometimes they listen to it while they're doing housework or whatever, and their kids are around, and I just. Uh, when I have guests on the show, they can swear as much as they want. I choose not to go further than second base in terms of swearing. <laughs> That's great. J- just so that it doesn't limit my, you know, audience. So, your whole, anyway. your, so you, your you guys can cuss yeah. away. Yeah. We're yeah. definitely, we're just definitely talking about braying animals. So yeah, let's exactly. just leave it at that. <laughs> okay, good. Yeah. yeah. So let's start there. Um, how is it that two pastors of a, if I can say an evangelical, maybe even conservative church can start a blog called Jackass Theology? What was the... What were you thinking? <laughs> like, no, well, let's start with the name. What, 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 tell us why you chose that name and what the, what yeah. the uh, blog's so, all about. So, I, you know, I think the, <laughs> it's funny because I had, I had a lot stronger words that I would have wanted to use. Um, so jackass <laughs> feels like a compromise. But, um, That's so funny. Uh, but so, no, I, you know, um, I was listening to a podcast. Uh, I mean, this has been some sort of an evolution of an idea, but I don't know, maybe it was... 18 months ago, I was listening to a podcast, uh, and I heard this guy talking about, uh, he was talking about complementarian theology on it, and he was talking um, to uh, the people who were interviewing him were egalitarian. And as I was just listening to him describe his position, it started out as describing a position, but then it sort of just changed to like, I don't know, the man, the way he was talking was just, it was like just demeaning and like, it was just belittling, you know, um, and he was really arrogant and uh, and he wasn't really listening at all to what the uh, egalitarians were saying. It was sort of like, well, you have an inferior view of scripture and, you know, and I just I thought in my mind, this guy's a total, you know, other lots of other words. He's a total donkey. Yeah. yeah. And um, and so I, I was actually listening to him with my wife, who was like kind of appalled by just the the demeanor and the way he was carrying himself. And so we just talked, we were like talking about it afterwards going, man, it's just so sad because I mean, you know, I would consider myself complimentarian. Um, but for a long time I would just, I don't know. I, I, it's just so sad to me the way that like treating people can be kind of thrown out when you're talking theology. So that was sort of the, the, the start of it, but then it kind of evolved as Mark and I would talk more and more about it. And we just started to see like, dude, this is everywhere, like everywhere in yeah. our churches, the way that people handle us, the way that we handle other people. And it isn't just a problem with them. Like we started to then reflect and see it in us, you know? Um, so it start. I think that's how it usually starts. Honestly, is you, you, everyone can go, dude, that guy's being a jackass and you like totally yeah. recognize it. Um, and then, but then as you kind of think about it, you start to go, well, I've sort of been a jackass in different ways, you know? So it, that's kind of how, yeah. that's kind of how it, it sort of evolved, you know? I mean, it sounds like you're not really trying to be edgy. You're actually, that is, as we could say culturally, the actual most precise word that is used to describe the kind of theological posture that you're trying to confront. Would that be accurate? Because I know, I mean, we all have edgy tendencies, at least us three have edgy tendencies, but I think we also have, if I can say, I think pastoral wisdom. Like, we don't want to be edgy just for edgy's sake. Because I can imagine that's going to be the critique, like, oh, they're just trying to, but I'm like, I don't know, like, it's, I don't know if they are trying to be edgy. Like, it sounds like you're actually saying this is the most appropriate kind of term to describe. Or, uh, yeah, let me let you guys talk. Well, no, let's, like, to put it this way, we um, we were preaching through the Gospels uh, all last year, and Jesus is just so um, hard on the Pharisees, so opposed to them. And we're realizing, you know, who, who are the Pharisees most like in terms of our present day? It seems to be they're the people that are, theologically astute. They're all about uh, keeping in line with everything. And I just, we just were feeling like, man, we're so much like the Pharisees. Totally. And so we're trying to call our church to, Hey, uh, honestly, G- like we need to hear Jesus warnings to the Pharisees. And what we found is, um, that, that kind of like sticks with a few people, but for most people being called a Pharisee, wasn't that big of a wake up call. It was like, eh. but when you say the word jackass and use it kind of synonymous with Pharisee, um, we found it, it kind of, sinks down a little bit more and people tend to respond to it a, a little bit more uh, in a lively way, which is so totally, much better yeah. than just the totally. apathetic response. I mean, it's really about like, 
yeah, we're not trying to be provocative, but we are trying to get people's attention. And I think that's, yeah. I think, you know, words lose their meaning over time. So you can call somebody a Pharisee. I, but honestly, I feel like part of it is the disillusioned people who are, this was another whole level to this whole thing. It kind of began with some of that listening to the podcast, but like then as we talked to people who had left the the church, the big C church, and were sort of disillusioned with faith, a lot of them were around church wounds or the way that people had like treated them or the way that they didn't hold conservative views, primarily like politically, honestly, which is sad. It was more politics conservative than it was even biblically conservative. And and the people just felt like they were treated poorly. And then when you could name it by saying, yeah, they're, they're being jackasses. We're all jackasses. It, it's like a little cathartic to people who have been maybe uh, wounded by, by, by things, you know? Um, yeah. And I, I feel like for me, uh, it's a little cathartic when, you know, someone's over complaining about some little thing. I can say to myself, like, it's all right. They're a jackass. <laughs> You're a jackass. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> That's why we need Jesus. <laughs> Pastor Ryan. <laughs> well, you, but going back to the, uh, you know, there's a difference, difference between being edgy and being necessarily jarring. Like, you know, right. even with, when the prophets use strong language, which they did, my yeah. goodness, some of yeah. these exactly. terms that they used. I mean, um, Chagall. <laughs> oh, don't tell me about Chagall, Preston. <laughs> yeah, don't get from me the, from the from the English word shag. <laughs> 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 no, but it actually it's not, but it it means the same. It's it's the f word. And oh, that's that, funny. That word is used several times among the prophets, and it was edited out by rabbinic translators so that Shagel is now not in our most recent manuscripts, but it's in older manuscripts. Which it's fascinating. Is crazy That's fascinating. That it was, yeah. It's such a strong words that the, that the medieval rabbis said, this is too strong. Right. But you, the prophets <laughs> used the word because he wanted people to, I mean, it's why he used the, you know, Ezekiel 16, some of these right. really gnarly sexual images. Like, did you have to be that graphic? Like he's talking oh, yeah. about like, bodily fluids during orgasm and like that's just what the bible says like i don't know if i want my kids to read ezekiel 16 yet you know yeah and even even that's been dimmed down by translations but it raises the question why did the original inspired prophets use such graphic language it's like well look at the context look what they're trying to do their people's sin became they became so complacent in their sin that they needed stronger rhetoric and ezekiel's not just trying to be edgy but he is trying to be jarring yeah, right. and I think that's. It sounds like that's what you guys are kind of shooting. Well, at. and a lot of times I feel like it's it's almost like we're trying to be more biblical than the Bible or something, yeah, totally. or more more moral than the Bible. Um, and so yeah. it's it's like our job to kind of soften the blow, and maybe we could just let God decide what yeah. when jarring language is needed. You know? Yeah, and I, yeah. I kind of think like Jackass is probably fairly similar to Jesus calling the Pharisees a brood of vipers and John the Baptist saying it too. It's not, I mean, it's just, yeah. I mean, the funny thing is that the, even the fact that we're still talking about the language um, is just, I think a sign of like the subculture that we're all a part of, which is kind of ridiculous that we get more focused on the language we use than we even do like the way we treat human beings. Because, you know, I think that's, that's why the whole blog exists, you know? Well, it's even ironic that in, you know, there's a couple swearing verses, right? Like Ephesians 4, don't let it eat unwholesome yeah. or rotten thing come out of your mouth. But then he says, but that which is, you know, for the building up of the body, meaning if it comes down to who's using, who's violating Ephesians, I think it's Ephesians 4 or is it Ephesians yeah. 5? I don't know. I think it's four. Um, I, w- I was a Pauline scholar, so I didn't. I don't know anything about Ephesians. <laughs> right. Of course. Oh, nice. <laughs> little little wow. academic joke. <laughs> wow. <laughs> coming from a coming from a former I, master's I, guy, I, that's. I I believe Paul wrote all thirteen letters of Code. Um, so uh, <laughs> just so I don't get the emails. Um, so that was a joke. Like when we're you know anyway we're getting wafted. So so it's interesting though that the people that you are maybe addressing, calling out, and confronting are actually, you know, and you're using the term jackass, people could say, whoa, you shouldn't use that. You're violating Ephesians 4. And you're like, actually, <laughs> they're yeah. the ones violating the unwholesome language coming out of their mouth that is not building up the body. They're the That's ones right. that are actually in, in, yeah, I don't know. I don't want to no, say, he, well, he said, she said, but I mean, it's, it's just ironic that... Yeah. Um, He's talking about yeah, slander people and the- tearing people down. And and that's, that's so much of it where I resonate with it personally. I mean, we've got 
on our blog, we've got all this different um, different types of jackass. There's the conservative jackass and the enlightened jackass and the silent jackass and the political jackass. Really? Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. So you can you can kind of find your personality type if you want to. But <laughs> it's your uh, enneagram of it's jackasses. Your, yeah, exactly. We'll get there. But <laughs> but uh, but where I resonate with it is um, I felt this pull, and a lot of it has to do with my theological training. But this pull to be so theologically precise and to insist on that precision and um, I don't know, sameness of message with other people that I'm interacting with. And it's like that call to make sure that um, everybody is in these precise theological categories um, that are comfortable to me, that trumps the commands to love, the commands to unity, um, all those kinds of things. And so it's like in the name of truth, you know, you'll say things like, hey, we need to be loving with people. And the response back quickly often is um, you can't have love without truth. And um, I think what we typically mean by that is just we need to have you can't truth have love without division, or you can't have yeah love <laughs> you can't have a conversation. I mean, and I, that's why I love yeah. so much of what you've been doing for the last several years, Preston, is um, just engaging in difficult things, being at a point where we can disagree with each other, but there's still this loving yeah, dialogue and this totally. concession of value and where another person's coming from. Yeah, exactly. It's so much of what we're trying to I, get across. I think another conviction is that the gospel should feel a certain way. It's not just a set of words. It should actually like feel like something. And I feel like Galatians gives us like what those feeling words, you know, like the, the works of the flesh are evident. They look like divisions and jealousy and rivalries and contention. I know we love to focus on the orgies and the, you know, sorcery parts of that text, but like the, the, the flesh really is divisive and it, and it feels contentious. And sometimes honestly in church culture, it can feel contentious and just like people are just argumentative with each other and and then yet the fruit of the spirit like if the spirit is in us leading us then we're going to have this feeling of love and joy and peace and 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 if you just sit and reflect on like the cultures that we're part of it just doesn't feel that way to me and and I think a lot of that is because we've traded intellectual knowledge and you know trying to split hairs on truth for like just like loving human beings and loving human beings has so much more about the way you are with them than it is about what you're saying. Like specifically, like my kids can tell when I'm like just pissed at them um, or when I'm like sitting there listening to them and I don't have to say any words, you know, like it's just, it's like a posture speaks way louder. And I feel like that's what the spirit should lead us in. You know, I've often said, you know, what we believe is sometimes less important is how we believe it. Yeah. Yeah. And that's, I don't, I don't, sometimes I don't like the dichotomy. It's like, well, of course what we believe is important, but like yeah. you can believe all the right things. And if you are being a total jackass, I mean, you're not going to, your, your beliefs are not going to be missionally effective at all, which is right. like, that's right. It's kind of what our beliefs are to be embodied and poured out into the world. And if you're pouring out nothing but, you know, being a jerk, you know, then, then your beliefs are, you know, they're great for you. Good job. You know, but like, yeah. they're not, they're not, they're, they're missionally, um, you know, neutered, if you will. Right. <laughs> right. Look for their well, and, and they're like, I would say it's that it's like the mission is compromised. And you see that with John 17, like, we'll yeah. like, we'll be known for our love, you know, and our unity, like the father. And so there's that side of it. The mission is compromised, but honestly, I think the quality of life is compromised. I think that's what we're living in is like, we're sitting here going like, we're so like when when my kids are arguing over who gets the most ice cream, like this is a real fight last night. They're all concerned about who's taking more ice cream and who's in the right and who's in the wrong. Their quality of life, my quality of life sucks because of it. And yeah. because they're so focused on each other, they can't just enjoy the ice cream that they're trying yeah, to have. And good, I can't yeah. enjoy my evening because I'm just breaking up fights. <laughs> and it's like, dude, this is so stupid. Like, like, if we could just chill out about the ice cream a little bit, then we could all, like, enjoy what we have, you know? Um, and I just feel like that's part of it, too. So it's it's the mission is compromised. And quite honestly, I kind of, I get a little bit tired of living in the evangelical world because I think my quality of life is almost compromised by being a part of it, you know? So I'm, I'm curious how... Um how this is going over with your church. I mean, with a, a thing like Jackass Theology and you're at a... Christian church, and I don't, I don't love these labels, but I, from what I know about the church, it would be a, you know, moderate to conservative church. I'm sure there's a spectrum of people there, but I would imagine that there's people at your church that 
um, were not okay or are not okay about this kind of title, let alone maybe the kinds of things you're harping on. Would that, would that be a true or accurate assumption or how's that going at your church? Do you have some experience with ungracious Christians or something, Preston? <laughs> I sounds like there's not some yet, baggage. But I've, heard, I've heard some other people do. Okay. So yeah. Really we've we've about, heard similar yeah. stories, but, um, <laughs> yeah. I don't, how would you say, what would you say it's been, Ryan? Uh, I would say I, I would say it's been remarkably well received as a whole. Uh, I would wow. say, uh, in fact, you know, it was actually we kind of tested using that word in church when we were talking about um, uh, mm-hmm. last fall. We were talking about homosexuality and the issues um, that you know, kind of like what how the church has been in in matters of like dealing with. Um, people who are, you know, struggling or whatever. And, and what we, one of the things we said was we're going to say like that we want to, we want to be able to know what the Bible says about these things. Mm -hmm. But what we care about is that we're not jackasses in the process of it. And, Mm. and, you know, I used it, it was the first time I had like talked about it on a Sunday and I got so much positive feedback from that. Like people were like, dude, I'm a total jackass. You know, they were like actually confessing oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. that yeah. like they've used the word of God as a weapon more than they've used it um, as something that has like shaped them um, in this particular category, right? And so as as people responded to that, we thought, well, maybe it's not going to be as offensive to, you know, people as we thought. And so I would say as we've launched the blog and as we've talked about it at the church, uh, I would say, overwhelmingly that the response has been positive. Um, I think people feel freed by it. I think, I think a lot of people know that like when they're with their wife and kids and, or well, most mostly their wife or their safe friends that they use a little stronger language, you know, to describe things. And so it's part like, it's part freeing to say like, Oh, the pastor's just talking like I talk. Um, actually not, you know, I usually talk worse or something, you know? And I think there's another part that feels frank to people, but Mm -hmm. we have had, um, we have had, that's not to say it doesn't have its hiccups, uh, but even the people who have like wanted to talk to us about it have been really like receptive to conversation. You know, they, they'll cite the Ephesians passage that you talked about. They'll talk about not using unwholesome language, um, things like that. But, but I think as we sit down and people who we can actually have face to face with, they realize that like a lot of the assumptions we have are cultural Christian assumptions of what is proper and what is not, not so much, um, it's not like it's necessarily like we're fighting against what God's doing here, you know. Right, I think people see right. that, you know. I, th- I, I, I do. Even we definitely have had a few people that were, uh, you know, if my kid talked like this, um, they'd yeah. be in trouble. And I, we, so we totally get that. But it's honestly, it's opened up great um, conversations for us with the people that have come to us. So there, there may be a contingency that's kind of holding back or whatever. But um, I, I feel like we have a great relationship. Our church isn't that massive or anything, so. Um, we've been able to talk to several people about it and even bringing in some of those Ephesians passages about what, what he's actually talking about with unwholesome speech and all that. And, um, and I feel like it, we're in a better spot of understanding. I feel like on the blog and in our church, we're in a much better place for having broached some of these topics and had some of the conversations than we would be if we had just been in fear. Um, like we had talks with the elders and stuff before launching it um, to say like, hey, is this something we can do? Like not as official pastors of this church, but just on our own, but it has an impact. And there was some nervousness, right? It was, we talked about it of like, ah, why do we want to like be provocative? Let's just like let those issues lie. But I, I'm so thankful that we have been able to do it because it's the conversations are great. And if we're supposed to be discipling people and shaping hearts and challenging people with scripture, like the lo- we can't go with the lowest common denominator of what's going to keep someone from being offended. Um, right. There's got to be a bigger thing yeah. we're shooting for. Yeah. What, what's your what's your age socioeconomic demographic of your church? I mean, is it largely Gen X millennial or is it a big broad range? Or no, it's uh, it's actually not. I mean, it's so we're like a overly, I mean, we're like a suburban context for sure. Um, and what's unique about our church is that it was, um, it was, there's only been two pastors. Uh, and so the pastor before me was a boomer. And so the church was largely boomers when I became the lead pastor. And so there's been young, a lot of younger families that have come in, but it gives us a pretty wide age range, you know? So we're, I would say we are, we like fall right into the category of whatever they told us in seminary or whatever I was told in seminary where it's like 10 years up from my age and 10 years down. So um, that puts, you know, the general 
congregation falls between probably 30 and 55, you know? Um, and then okay. there's, you know, there's, uh, we, we certainly don't have as many like 18 to thirties as we would love to have, you know, as part of the church, but, okay. um, yeah. yeah. But even, but how, even, how, even the older, how, sorry, go ahead, Preston. Uh, how, but just real quick, how many people are at the church? Just so I can get a, We'll have like 400 like people on a Sunday, basically. Yeah. Okay. yeah. 400 adults. So, okay, yeah. Cool. And even, even, even some of the older folks in the church have been like our biggest like advocates with this and just saying like, I need to hear this. This is a message that's, um, wow. you know, like, and, and even saying it the way we're saying it, you know, I mean, I, I kind of feel bad. These poor saints have been sitting in the church faithfully their entire lives. And then all of a sudden here comes this youngish pastor <laughs> saying the word jackass 20 but, times. But here's the, the, here's the crazy yeah. part. This, <laughs> totally. This is so... This is so crazy to me, though. I was at a funeral last week um, for a guy in our church who, uh, well, he would have must have been like 82 when he passed away. And there's a lot of people from our church who were friends with him or in his small group at the time. And we're sitting there at this funeral, and it's like this reunion of all of the old saints that have been a part of Creekside. And and I had I had three elderly women come up to me and say, thank you so much for doing this Jackass Theology series and launching the blog. No. Yes. <laughs> and I'm like, okay. I, like, I, like your, I want to have your heart when I'm older. You know, I want to, I like, know. be, like, that responsive yeah. and, like, open, you know. Um, and so it's been, it's been shocking to me because I certainly thought those were, like, no-brainers. Like, people aren't going to get it. But... They don't. Yeah. It's all, dude. It's all about the heart, you know. It really so is. So here's my question. Then let's just say your church, which has been shockingly, overwhelmingly receptive. Of course, there's a few people that are maybe like, I don't know about this. Maybe a few people are like, I'm out of here. But that's you're saying that that's the minority within a kind of middle of the road standard evangelical church. You know, 35 to 50 year olds. So, do you think that your church would be representative of evangelicalism as a whole, and that the, the real jackasses out there are really a loud minority? I mean, do you think the majority of evangelicals have it in them to not be a jackass and are longing to have a better, you know, tone to Christianity? What, is, what does that word even mean, Preston? That's yeah. such a, a, yeah. a tough thing to say. But I, I think that, like, I think there's definitely a, a group out there that's resonating with what we're saying. I, I don't doubt there's people in plenty of churches that are um, just really closed off um, to talking about, like, we, you know, we had that when we, Ryan was talking about homosexuality, like a, a little part of it was the theology and kind of where we stand in a more um, non-affirming place. But most of it was on our tone and, and how we ostracize and we keep people at arm's length and we single out one sin over another. And, and so we had a couple of people leave because they were upset at, um, at, you know, the fact that we overemphasized in their opinion, um, loving people. Um, but we had so many more people saying, this is exactly the message I need to hear. Um, and I, I feel like, you know, as we've kind of got the message out there on the blog and it's gone more broadly and stuff, like we've just seen so much more, um, enthusiasm and reception from people. And it's, so some of it's people like us that are kind of, um, coming from a more conservative place, but we've had a lot of people, um, we were sitting, Ryan and I were at a coffee shop and kind of working on some stuff with the blog and we struck up a conversation with, um, with a couple of people in their like what, sixties or something like that. And uh, they're asking us about it and, uh, they're, they're atheist and, you know, pretty spiritual and stuff like that. But they were like, so like connected with the concept and, um, mm-hmm. and so like now they're, they're following along and like, it's, that's the kind of conversation partners we want to have is right. people and, that connect yeah. with, with the church has been jackasses yeah. and why can't we just admit that? Yeah. And I would I mean, s- it, go ahead. I was just to say it, I just have to like apologize to maybe 25 to 50% of my audience <laughs> who would, are just rolling their eyes that when people are uh, being sexually abused, uh, millions of people are being trafficked every day, uh, people are starving to death, there's war, there's famine. I mean, we live in a, yeah. a yeah. world where there's so much evil out there. Just the, the very fact that even if it's a small minority of Christians might get hung up on... Oh, yeah. <laughs> totally. I mean, just this very conversation might turn people off from Christianity saying... Oh, Look, for sure. If, if even part of this Christian faith is ignoring sex trafficking, but hung up on the word jackass, then that, I just can't, that's just su- such exactly. a, so I just want to, I just want to acknowledge that 
this is a reality in the church that we have to have these conversations. And I, yeah, I'm sorry that some of you, uh, you know, have to you know, <laughs> endure the fact that we having to spend 25 minutes even right. defending why this might not be of the devil. <laughs> right. But the point of it is not, yeah, and that's, that's so good because the point of it is, honestly, it's not just the use of the term. It's trying to call it something that's not just in the church. It's in all of us. And we get, um, we get so entrenched in our camp and our echo chamber that we're not willing to just humanize the people on the other side and to have dialogue. I know, Preston, you turned me on to the book, um, The Righteous Mind by Jonathan Haidt, you know? Oh, so good. And um, <laughs> and that, that was big for me because it's just yeah. showing how um, it's not rational, you know? Um, so I think one unique thing in the church is we turn it into um, a measure of faithfulness to God, how much you stay within these boundaries that we preset. Yeah. And words like jackass are an indicator of whether you're in or out of that group, but we all, we all do it. And it's, it's, um, you know, we, we, Brian and I have said, we've been conservative jackasses, jackasses where we've been just like, um, this doctrine must be precise and that's all that matters. But then you, you learn and you grow. And we've both been on this journey a little bit of like letting go of some things that we used to hold on to at, you know, with the level of certainty that we used to. And then you kind of learn some things and then you become the enlightened jackass where you're like, I learned this thing yesterday and today yeah. anyone who doesn't know this thing that I know is a total yeah. idiot. And that's just another form of being a jackass in, yeah. in sort of keeping yeah. the fences up. Um, and it's, it's that's ugly a, no matter who you year, are. F- a fourth year Bible college student, right? Is yeah. Oh my, oh, or, or first in my experience. <laughs> first, but yeah. 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 <laughs> that's what you remember at the, when we used to teach at the Bible college together, Preston, we would, yeah. uh, we would have that, like, don't be a jerk talk, you know, yeah. uh, like, Hey, you're at, learning at so the much. End of every fall semester, yeah. like you're going home to your churches and you're all going to be tempted to go walk up to your pastor and critique his sermon. Yeah. Don't do that. And sure enough, nobody listened yeah. and we get these emails yeah. over Christmas break. <laughs> Because we didn't use the word jackass. Yeah, all I you know, needed huh? to use, if you had used jackass, it never would have happened. You know? Oh, man. Uh, yeah. Oh, man. <laughs> Where do you guys see, and I know you, you're probably going to say, well, I can't speak to that, but I mean, when you look ahead to kind of a evangelicalism, and I know uh, that word, but for, for lack of better terms, um, evangelicalism in America in a post-Trump world, what does that look like? Are you hopeful are you discouraged? Um, yeah. Do, do you have any kind of pulse on, on you know, where we're going to be in five, ten years as an as an evangelical church? Or, do you have a better term than evangelical? Because I'm nervous about that. Term. No, 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 no. I mean, no. I, I get what you're going for. Um, yeah, I, you know, that's a great question. I mean, I do think the rise of all this conversation that we're talking about has, like, Trump has brought some of all of this to the forefront. I think the vitriol um, is, like, larger than we've seen in a long time. And therefore you get people responding, uh, really kind of like outrageously towards things, you know? Mm -hmm. And I think, I think quite honestly, when you ask the question, like, do we think that America as a whole resonates with this concept? I would say there are a lot of people who are so tired of the vitriol, you know? And I think that's, that's the part of it that I think resonates with the whole and um, the question is, like, will that go away when, you know, you know, the office changes or whatever? Um, I, I don't I don't think so. I think it'll take a new form because I don't think it was I don't think it's just even though that Trump and all of the all that was leading up to the election and all of the post stuff and all, all everything that's happened, um, even though it produces a lot of this vitriol, a lot of it is continued on by like. Fox News and CNN and and the media like loves to tribalize their their markets. They'll get a new yeah. face, and, but it'll be the same. Yeah, it'll, it'll get a new face, I think. But I hope, I do have hope though, that if the church kind of sees this as like, look, we've been and participated and are part of the problem, and mm-hmm. and therefore we want our message to shift from one that is one of condemnation of sin to, like, the embrace of humans. Um, I I feel like there's uh, a huge amount of people that want to see that be the primary Mm -hmm. message of the faith. And, And my hope is, like, I think like all things, you know, like, as these things come to light, 
the church does change and it, I think it does grow. There will be new issues, you know, that arise if, if we start to be more unified or we start to be more accepting of a diverse perspective. Um, there will be a lot of like benefits to that, but then there will also be yeah. pitfalls. So um, I am hopeful that like when I hear people resonating with the message that people want what has like grieved me so much, like that I am like hopeful for. But yeah. will humanity, apart from like <laughs> spending eternity with Jesus, be you know, yeah. free of, yeah. of contention? No, I don't think so. I think we're experiencing exactly what Paul described in, you know, yeah. in, in the early church. It, 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 it's just a different face, you know. Yeah, it's it is it is funny how much the polarization in politics, in particular, which obviously is a huge determining factor on just culture as a whole, how that just shapes kind of even Christian rhetoric or Christians who are sick of the rhetoric. And here's my here's my prediction. Here's yeah. my prediction. And and I'm not really that into politics. I've been trying to follow it more in the last couple of years, especially since the sexuality and gender conversation that I'm sure engulfed in is yep. is it's just it's tied to political stuff it's just hard to get away from that so i need to pay attention to that but i here's my prediction if the democrats set forth a moderate more moderate candidate which they're not at least so far then i think there's hope if they simply mirror trump so trump is this bombastic yep. like how did this guy even get an office and it seems like that has pushed the left to be farther in the left. So now some of the candidates are setting forth that might actually win. I'm like, oh, my gosh. Like, that's yeah. just going to increase the polarization. It's going to cause the Republicans to go farther to the right, and the left's going to go farther to the left, and it's just going to end up cannibalizing itself, or society's going to crumble, or there's going to be such a vocal middle ground that's going to say stop it like come right. on like no socialism isn't the answer we've already done that and it caused you know the death of hundreds of millions of people um <laughs> trumpism isn't the answer like that's just insane so like it can we can we get our heads back you know oh i long for the days of bill clinton you know <laughs> <laughs> yeah that's so funny to say, or but... or like you know you know, George W or, you right. know, like, you know, people are looking back saying, Oh my gosh. Like I thought that guy was Satan. Well, I would give you anything to have George H W Bush and the, you know, I hear Democrats saying, Oh my gosh. I mean, that's compared to what we have now. And, and same thing, like compared to, you know, some of the democratic candidates set forth, it's like, they're so far to the, I mean, I can't believe that an, like an open socialist might have a good contender at the, at the, at the presidency right. and, and Bernie Sanders and others. And it's like, or even AOC's popularity and stuff. It's like, Oh my word. Like what in the, how, how, like are, are these possible candidates? And I'm sure that's how Democrat Democrats felt yeah. when Trump was up there. And it's like, well, look that, and it happened. So let's learn from that and not put these kind of extreme kind of yeah. far left, far right, or just, you know, voices up there. So I, I don't, I don't even know enough about politics to even validate that. I even know what I'm saying there, but that's just my, yeah. as I've tried to pay attention to kind of the warp and woo for the, you know, back and forthness of, of it all. But do you have any thoughts on that? What are you, are you guys, oh, you man, guys we're, pay attention to stuff? Or? We're, we're so like up on all that stuff. It's not even funny, but um, <laughs> he's joking. I'm t- totally just being sarcastic, but yeah, I think, I, I think like what I, what we see in our church at least is there is this discipling effect and there it's people being in these areas discipled by whatever news station they watch, whether it be Fox News or CNN or whatever. And um, and they're just taught to be polarized. So there's not the great. It, so I, I, I totally agree. I'd love to see people that are more moderate coming into it. But I, I just feel like the, um, the, the feel in our churches of like, um, are we going to be defining ourselves by what's happening politically as a whole? Or are we yeah. going to be like a counter presence in the midst of the world? I like, um, just as you were talking, I don't know why I was thinking of this, but you had mentioned um, in, uh, it was when you were actually interviewing Justin Lee or having that discussion with him. And you said your friend, I think it was Drew that was saying the church yeah. has been like this graveyard for uh, yeah. the LGBT community. And I, f- I feel like where we're at right now is the church can either play along with all the games of everybody else and be all polarized on everything, or we can we can stop feeling like a graveyard to LGBT or like, honestly, just even like moderate young people in our church. Like, I feel like a lot of the younger people are just so like grossed out by stuff that if we could be a place that actually feels like Jesus, um, rather yeah. than, rather than telling them like, Hey, here's where we line up. If you, you can either fall in or you can do something else. And so many of them are just choosing to 
do something else. And there's so many voices out there that are really appealing, I think, to the disillusioned crowd saying, like, yeah. look, look how much, like, look how ridiculous the church is. Look at all these stuff they care about. And, um, and so we're kind of trying to say, like, no, you're right. There, there's a church is full of jackasses. We're the biggest ones that we know of. Um, and we're trying to confess that and try to say, like, hey, let's, let's not let the jackassery define us. Let's yeah. um, step back into what we should have been focusing on the whole time, which is Jesus. And that, that leads us, I think, back into politics and social life and everything, too. But it just um, it's trying to recenter, like, what was this whole thing supposed to be about anyways? Right. Um, and, and so far, we're having a lot of people resonate with that. And it, it feels good to us to be able to talk about it. And it's been a ton of fun. Yeah. Yeah, I see that, too, man. I mean, again, you know, with the ministry that I run, we have a very kind of unique approach to the LGBTQ conversation. Yeah, for sure. I don't even think it's that unique if you just read the Bible, but I mean, it's right. unique in, in the way we've gone about it. That's and unique. It's, it's not going to resonate with uh, the far left or far right. Um, right. And I, I'm shocked. I'm actually shocked at how many churches are reaching out to us. I mean, I'll go into some really conservative context sometimes. And it's yeah. like, you may have a history of being conservative, but you're longing for something much more nuanced and, not, you know, grace or truth, but saying if we don't have grace, we don't have truth. And and right. it's, you know, I'll say some things and I'm so, kind of nervous, like, wow, ah, this might be pushing them too hard. And I get more amens when I talk about grace toward the yeah. LGBT community in conservative context. And, you know, yeah. I used to spend a long time talking about why marriage is between a man and a woman. And I do so passionately. And I say, man, this is clear in scripture and all this. And people are like, yeah, okay. And then I start talking about loving LGBT people. And everybody then is like, hey, man, preach it, brother. I'm like, wow, like this... Yeah, it, it's um, I, so I think that there yeah. is a much larger hungry group of evangelicals who are kind of jaded by the history of the evangelical church being unloving and ungracious. And I, so I, I don't know, I'm hopeful yeah. when I look forward. I, th I yeah, think there is same. that. And I just think the polarizing voices are so loud and scary, and there is a lot of fear um, when you know people are scared of getting shouted down or whatever, and and so they, they don't speak up as much, but I think it is a hungry, massive, silent, largely silent, you know, more nuanced, balanced, you know, evangelical out there that is hungering for, I think, what you and you and I are talking about. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, I hope so. So you launched a blog. Your first blog was on Francis Chan. Do we, let's, let's get into that just maybe briefly. <laughs> uh, well, to, to summarize, what's Francis's latest controversy? And so I, I, uh, I talked to him on the phone a couple of days later, and I said, is this, is this, I mean, you're always kind of stirring the pot. Is this anything different? He's like, oh, no, this is, this really blew up in my face more than anything yeah. I've done, really. I, mean, I was like, oh, wow, I didn't know it was that big of a deal. So, yeah, why don't you give us a little background on that and what was your response? So it, it was just as we were getting ready to launch the blog, which we did just like a few weeks ago. And, um, and the, the whole controversy came to my attention and I'm like, you know, let's just like throw out a blog because it fits so well with our jackass concept. And so basically, uh, Francis has always preached wherever, anywhere that anyone would let him um, preach. He's like, as long as I can say what I feel like God's called me to say, I'll say it. But that led him into um, some some um, settings to preach where he was with um, someone named Todd White, who honestly, I don't I don't know. And some people have said, like, that's a that's a problem for me to not know who he is. But honestly, I, I don't care too much. He's he's associated with the some of the prosperity stuff. Um, he's in a selfie with Benny Hinn, which I'm, I would love to know the full story of how like Fr Francis was even, but I love that he was in a spot to like be there to be like, Hey, let's take this selfie right now. You know what I'm saying? But, um, mm -hmm. so, but it's like, it's the optics of it all that everyone's like, Oh, Francis must be endorsing these people, or at least he's being very foolish with it. And, um, and so we just jumped in to say, um, come on, you guys, this is ridiculous. Like, like not long ago, Francis was being accused of preaching a poverty gospel. Um, I don't remember you, if you remember that whole thing where Mark yeah. Driscoll like got really at him <laughs> yeah. and, uh, and then now it's like, well, Francis must be like capitulating. And there's some people we've been interacting with that just won't be pacified on that. Like until Francis comes out and says, those are horrible human beings. Um, they're not going to be happy, but we're, we're just trying to say like, man, you, can you not like love a person? Can you not share a stage even if, as long as you're doing what God's calling you to do? Um, like I just, the shunning and the, uh, boundary keeping and everything is, um, is so, and so, and to accuse someone like Francis of, um, I don't know, of, of like collaborating with the prosperity gospel to me was just the most mind blowing part yeah, of it all. 
That's yeah. insane. That, yeah, I mean, total. yeah, this accuse him of a poverty gospel and then now prosperity. Like, well, which one is it? Right, exactly. Right. Well, and I think it, it, it addresses like the one of the larger problems that we, as we like process the Jackass theology stuff, is that we we love to like make caricatures of people. Like we take one or a couple things and we turn them into like who they are. So now Francis was taking a picture with Benny Hinn. So that's wrong. And now we throw out like all the stuff he's preached in the past, all of right. the things that he's done, like he's, God has used him as an instrument to move and stir my heart in all these ways. But he took a picture with Benny Hinn. And it's this caricature that like in some ways, like the scandal like can come and surge well beyond like the actual reality, which is God has used this man in lots of, you know, in, in so many different ways. And like, I mean, the same kind of thing we just talked, we just wrote a, a blog article this week about uh, the preachers and sneakers oh, thing. Yeah. Preston, have and you seen, have you seen this Instagram thing? Preachers no. and sneakers? Preachers and sneakers. Oh, oh my gosh. Uh-huh. <laughs> you have to oh, look. Wait, is that the, wait, 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 wait. It's, I, I, it's, it's all the rage. It's something like, it's all like, the rage right this min- this instant. Like it's it's okay, hard right that. now. Yeah. So and uh, it, yeah. So anyway, if you it's an is, okay. so it's a, uh, preachers and sneakers an Instagram account that like was started a few weeks ago where it basically ju- they just take pictures of um, like public pictures of uh, celebrity pastors and look at their shoes and then they look up the price of those shoes and put the price tag of the shoes next to them and um, it's, it's hilarious and it's, dude. It's, it's hilarious. yeah it's hilarious and, and it's like a little bit outrageous too you're like oh my gosh those shoes were two thousand dollars like i For just would have thought they were real. I, I just thought they were sneakers you know um so it's it's like caught on i mean it went it went from like zero to seventeen thousand followers in like one week and then when we started writing the blog post like it took me like two hours to write, and in writing it, it went from like forty thousand to like sixty thousand followers. And there, oh th- yeah, it's, now it's like over a hundred for sure. Yeah, I don't know what. Anyway, know. so it's just blowing up. But the whole deal is, I mean, it's really funny, and it is ironic, and it does bring a lot of like questions of accountability of like the use of wealth, all of that. Like, the guy seems cool. Yeah, you know? the guy seems cool about it. Um, but <laughs> but it does what it does do is the same thing with the you see with the Francis thing is it caricaturizes. Like these people, like so, because Judah Smith is wearing expensive clothes, now mm-hmm. everything about Judah Smith is like mm-hmm. not valuable anymore, and and people love that sort of like controversy. But it's like an ad hominem attack. You like you're no longer talking about what actually has happened or what they're actually saying. You're just you're like inferring all of these moral implications yeah. that devalue yeah. everything they've ever done. And here's the reality. This is the gut check. That, like, if we believe that every preacher pastor is a sinner um, and that they are doing things that are either publicly seen or, like, privately the things they're thinking about, that if you realize every pastor, every person is a sinner, then if you devalue them just because... Um, you like highlight one of their flaws or one of their vices, then you no longer have the preaching of the gospel anywhere. That would be true of Paul as well. So like the reality is like we got to just like stop caricaturizing people by these like singular things. And that's just what the media, that's what media does. You know, it just blows one little thing out of proportion. Um, Yeah. So. And and I'm I'm a little bit, especially in the last year or so, I don't know. Like, so I, 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 I would be one to kind of latch on to that kind of thing. Like, oh, so are we. That, so know? are we. We are but, too. Yeah. But at the same time, I'm fine with it as long as the people that are outraged are consistent. Sure. So it's like, you, you know, like, are, is that, uh, if the people that are outraged are making a lot of money, are, are, are they buying expensive clothes? Are they spending their money in ways that are way too flashy. You know, are they taking totally, you know, are they driving cars that they don't really like, are are they actually living out the very thing that they're critiquing? And that's where, you know, I think the whole, you know, you know, everybody loves, you know, a sex scandal in the church, but it's like, all right, so let's look at how non-church people are doing. Let's look at Hollywood and, Oh yeah, they're really, you know, the the moral (laughs) have a right to be the moral police with all the crap going on there. And, and like, you know, I just, I did that. Yeah, the church has been is hypocritical. It's been hypocritical. It's been judgment, all this stuff. But it's like so is non-church. <laughs> like, oh, right, totally, one hundred percent. It's like 
it's like, well, wait a minute. Like, well, who, you know, yes, we all need Jesus and the church has done a bad job about making ourselves look righteous, but don't you dare play the moral high card. This came right. to light for me when, when, you know, when Trump got elected and the day he got put in the office and I, and I was, you know, he's, yeah, he's a moral train wreck. Right. <laughs> and then who do they have to protest the immorality of Trump? Madonna. <laughs> oh, yeah, yeah. Great. All yeah. right. Well done. Like, yeah. you know, and then, and all the people are protesting or it's like, you, you know, you have, you know, I, I don't know if you follow, you know, the funniest thing is some people on the far left are like, you know, believe all women, believe all women. And then they, they then they get accused of a sex scandal. Like, Oh, except for that woman. Exactly. It's comical to see kind of the kind of, yeah, just people trying to get the moral high ground when it's like, yeah, we're all in mass. So don't, don't, don't just, get on your moral high horse. Just say yeah, it, you point out. We're all jackasses. We're all jackasses. That's, all, ja- yeah. that's all you got to say. <laughs> that's exactly the problem. We're all jackasses. Yep. <laughs> on that note, I better go, you guys. I got another uh, thing to get to here. But uh, so your podcast, your, sorry, your blog is jackass. If you just Google jackassTheology.com. Yeah, just jackassTheology.com. Oh, or, yeah. Mm-hmm. And, that wasn't taken. Good. Yeah, some, <laughs> somehow there was some space there. So. <laughs> <laughs> jackasstheology.com and you release articles is it primarily on just trying to establish a better tone on how to how to be christian in 2018 yeah. is that we're, kind we're of trying it? to be yeah. we're, we're a little eclectic with what we do you know like the coming up this week we're launch, writing an article about nestorius so i think you'll enjoy that preston i don't know right. if anybody else will yeah. But, um, yeah, so we, you know, but just, just trying to, yeah, it's, it's about the tone. It's about the heart. And really we're trying to call people back to love, joy, peace, basic human dignity. Like that's, that's really what it's about. And, um, it's just another way of saying like, love God, love people, you know, follow Jesus. Like that's what it is, but we're trying to say it in a way that's, um, just helping people connect to it a little more than the typical church terminology. Okay, cool. Well, yeah. Hey, I encourage my audience go check it out. If you can handle the word jackass theology, go check it out. Uh, Mark, what do you mean? Well, I'll probably say something in the intro about who you guys are, but uh, yeah, I, 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 you guys are great writers, thinkers, and everything. So um, yeah, really encourage people to check it out. So thanks for being on the podcast, thanks, you guys. Let's do this again sometime. Sounds good. Sounds thanks good. so much, Preston. Hey, Preston.